0: Hey, how are we doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. Hey, I'm particularly a little more pumped today than I normally am. And it really has nothing to do with church. It has to do with the fact that on Friday, I caught the biggest rainbow trout I've ever caught. And sure, you can apply for that. I'm excited. And uh, man, this thing was at least this big. And I came home and I'm like talking to my wife about it. I'm like, babe, you just gotta let me talk about this for the next hour. How many of you guys have seen The River Runs Through It? Right? And Brad Pitt has to jump in the river and gets, you know, he gets taken down the river. Like, that was me. I almost died. At least that's the part of the story I add to it to add effect. But um, yeah, this, this wouldn't, it was an incredible just moment. I was by myself, caught the, did I did I mention it was this big? And it really was, I'm not on social media anymore, so I don't get to put those things online. So I literally got to go around with my phone. I'm like, check this out, check this out, check this out. Truly, it was, it was a moment for me. I've been a fisherman my whole life. And so when you catch your personal best, it's a big deal. Nothing to do with my sermon, I just had to share that. I was excited about that i am excited that you're here today as well thanks for being here especially if you are a guest with us today and you accepted an invitation to come and join us thanks thanks for doing that we know that that's not always easy i also want to say welcome to those of you that are joining us online Uh, i learned something in the past uh, after the last service A gentleman came up to me and he said, hey, we're from California, my kids go here and we're visiting, and I just wanna let you know that we actually watch Trace online from California and actually set our backyard up like a little church service and we watch you. And I'm like, there's a lot better people to watch than me, but thank you. Like, that's incredible that our reach is going all around the nation and that people are tuning in here from uh, different states and different regions. It's absolutely incredible what God is doing here. So for those of you that are watching online, who knows where you're tuning in from, thanks for being a part of our online church. Well, let me start today with this. It's a question. Have you, have you ever been invited to something that you wanted to say no to because it felt more like an obligation than it did an opportunity? You ever been there? Or maybe there was a time in your life where you said no to something, but later regretted it because you learned what happened. You learned that it was a big game, right? It went to overtime and it's like, oh, I could have been there. Or he said water, she said water, they did what? And so now you're like, oh, why didn't I go? When it comes to church and specifically this church, don't we all want it to feel like an opportunity and not an obligation? I mean, don't we all want to feel that way? And when it comes to inviting people here, like I hope that we don't feel obligated like, oh, I'm supposed to invite people to church, but instead we want to invite them into an opportunity. Because I think you're like me and we know that on any given Sunday, people have an opportunity here to encounter a living God. People have an opportunity here to see that God's got a deeper meaning and purpose for their life. People have an opportunity here to maybe accept Jesus for the very first time and have their eternal destination changed forever. My hope is that all of us approach church this way, that we see that there's an incredible opportunity each and every week we show up here. And yeah, we don't want to ever feel obligated that this is like what we're supposed to do, but instead, no, this is an opportunity that we get to have each and every week. One of the things that I want you to know that you probably don't know is that right now as a church, we are breathing what I would call rare air. And the reason I say that is because what we are experiencing now as a church, the majority of churches around the nation are not experiencing. The amount of growth, the amount of life change that we're seeing. I don't know if you know this, but we're pushing 60 baptisms just in this calendar year. Yes, you can applaud that. It's amazing. The fact that we yeah, raised a million dollars in just seven months time. You just need to know, like if you come here and you're like, hey, this is, I guess this is just what happens. This is not normal, especially right now. Like there are pastors in this city and this has just happened in the last couple of weeks. I've met with three different pastors in our city that are like, what are you doing? What are you doing? They're asking a sincere question because what we're experiencing, and maybe, maybe you heard me share this a few weeks ago, that we are in the top 5% of churches that are actually bigger now than they were pre-COVID. And let me be clear, because I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. This is not about us bragging. This is not about like, hey, look at us, and we're trying to bring unnecessary attention to ourselves over these things. I promise you, it's not. It's just, it's something that I think all of us should be aware of so that we can be grateful that we're experiencing something that unfortunately a lot of other churches are not getting to experience right now. And those pastors that I've met with are like, what are you doing? And my sincere answer to that question is, I don't know. Honestly, maybe you can answer that question better than I could. Why do you keep coming back? Why do you keep inviting people into this space and place? And they want to know, how did you raise a million dollars in seven months? What are you guys doing to actually see the growth that you're doing? How, like, how is it that you guys have almost baptized 60 people in this calendar year? What are you doing? And again, my sincere question is, I really don't know, but what I do know, listen to me, what I do know is I don't want God to stop. (laughs) I don't want God to stop. And there's a sincere question that I've been asking myself, and I guess more importantly, I've been asking God, God, what if you even want to do more? Like, what if, what if God wants to do more? What if he actually even wants to do immeasurably more? Like, truly think about that. What if he wants to do immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine in this place we call Trace Church. Are we ready? Because sincerely, I would tell you, I don't know if we're, we are. If God wants to do even more, immeasurably more, are we ready? And if not, because I'm not sure we are, then how do we get prepared? And this is exactly what I want to talk to you about today. COVID was likely one of the most challenging seasons that any of us have ever faced. It was harder on some than it was others, I would tell you that it was one of the greatest leadership challenges for people who do what I do across America, not just me, but across America. uh, Every time I sat down with a pastor, we would commiserate and almost say the exact same thing where it's like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. I think this is the next wise decision that we need to make. But what you don't know is when you're in the midst of a pandemic that you've never experienced before, you make one wise decision and that had two consequences that you couldn't have possibly seen, but it was still the right decision to make at that point in time. And so we navigated through it. And there was something interesting that happened on the front end of the pandemic. And again, we've moved from pandemic to endemic now. Most of you know this, where, you know, a pandemic, it kind of started, endemic means it's here to stay, but now at least we know how to navigate through it and live our lives around it even. And there was something interesting that happened on the front end of the pandemic that drastically changed on the back end. And I would say the back end of the pandemic was probably mid to late 2021. Let me explain this. On the front end, something happened where people started to increase their charitable giving by a decent amount. Like collectively around America, people experienced this, whether you were a nonprofit or whether you were a church, a lot of us experienced an increase in giving as the pandemic kind of hit. And we could you know, think through, well, why is that the case? And I would say that a lot of people probably saw that these particular nonprofits and churches were likely the best positioned to help people during a time where there's a lot of pain. Or maybe people just wanted to help their church out during a difficult time. But again, nonetheless, a lot of charitable giving and contributions went up. But then again, mid to late last year in 2021, something drastically changed. And those contributions, again, collectively, started to go down, to which we would ask the same question again. Well, why? I have a theory. I have a theory that I've been testing out with people over the last few months and it's proving itself to be true to some extent. You see, COVID was a very difficult season and it was a lot harder on some than it was others. And on top of being hard, people had to give up a lot. I mean, just think through this if you haven't taken the time to think through this because again, you may be in here and thinking, it wasn't that hard. Well, if you were a first-time mother having a baby in a hospital and your husband couldn't even be there with you, That was hard. Think about all the kids that were graduating that didn't get to have a graduation or graduation party. Think about the weddings and the people getting married that couldn't even find a place to have it because they were shut down and people couldn't gather together. And just so you know, I did two or three different weddings in people's living rooms with about 10 people and they were probably some of the sweetest weddings I ever did, honestly. Think about the people that lost their job Think about the people that were on their deathbed breathing their last breath and nobody could be there by their side. It was harder on some than it was others. And on the other end of that, as the dust started to settle, I believe something happened in the psyche of most Americans, including Christians. Let me illustrate it this way. How many of you... Have ever played poker or Texas Hold'em? Just raise your hand really quick. Yeah, there's the sinners in the room. Just so we're clear, <clears throat> and the rest of us who've only seen it on TV, let's go with that. Um, you've probably seen at some point where there's a big there's a big game going on, and somebody decides to go all in. They could be bluffing. They could, you know, have a great hand, or maybe they're acting like they have a great hand, and Maybe somebody calls their bluff and whatever that looks like in the pot in the middle just gets huge, right? And so you've got all of this money in the middle and somebody's getting ready to collect big. And when they do, whoever wins and they finally know that they get the pot, something happens where they just kind of put their arms out and they, they kind of scoop it, scoop it all in, don't they? This is what I believe happened on the latter end of the pandemic. It was hard. You held on. And then on the back end of it, you started to see where it's like, man, I think it's time to focus on me. I think it's time to focus on us. I think it's time, you know, no matter how much that is with our time, our talents, our treasures, I think it's time to kind of circle the wagons and just focus on us for a little bit because that was hard. Now to be clear, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have taken a little bit more time and spent a little bit more more money on vacations and doing things that were uh, exciting and fun, right? I mean, when the masks came off and things opened up, I think all of us were like, hey, let's go experience some life again. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But what happens when a moment becomes our motivation moving forward? And what I would tell you as your pastor if you'll afford me that opportunity. And I say that a lot because I know that for some of you, it's hard to look at somebody in my position with the amount of spiritual authority that God has given me by being a leader of a church. And because that's been abused in the past at times in your life, it's hard for you to trust people like me again. Listen, I wanna acknowledge that as often as I can because I know that that's the case. But if you'll afford me the opportunity to be your pastor, you're also affording me the opportunity to challenge you. And I wanna challenge you that this, ready? this is never the posture of a Christ follower. Hey, let me just focus on me. And that that be our motivation moving forward. You see, something happened when we invited Jesus to be the leader and Lord of our life. We were also in that same moment inviting him to show us how he wants us to live. And although he gave us a lot of directives Throughout the New Testament, throughout the New Covenant, I would also tell you that there are three specific things that He made abundantly clear. In other words, if you're going to be a Christ follower, these three attributes need to be represented in and through your life consistently. The first one is sacrifice. Jesus was calling us to sacrifice. You hear us use this particular verse a lot around here in Luke 9 23. Where Jesus said, listen to me, if you're gonna take this serious, if this is not just about, you know, empty words, but you want to follow me, you want to make me the leader and lord of your life, then I'm gonna ask you to deny yourself. This is what it says in Luke 9, 23. Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me every single day. If you're new here to Trace, I love to explain this. Those crosses that you see around the room or on their side for a very specific reason. Because if we're gonna pick up our cross and make our own sacrifices to follow Jesus, then the only way you can pick up a cross is to lay it on its side first. And I hope you think about that every time you go to those tables and take communion. So the first one is sacrifice. The second one would be serving, service. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus calls out some of the disciples because they started to make life about themselves And depending on how long you've been following Jesus, you've probably experienced this, right? I mean, when we finally realize the grace of God and we take that step into Jesus' new life that he's ready to give us, we're excited and many of us are like, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then life happens and we drift and we begin to make things a little bit too much about us again. And so Jesus challenges this very notion in Matthew 20, 26 through 28, when he says, not so with you, Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, the last one that I would say is in the top three attributes that should be represented in every Christ follower is stewardship. It's understanding that all the things that you have in your possession today, times, are time, talent, treasures. All those things are only in your hands and in your possession because God has allowed you to have them. I think we all know that. If God didn't want you to have them, you wouldn't have them. And he can take them away today if he wants to. And so being a good steward of the things that God has allowed us to possess in and through this life is clear throughout the new covenant that we are supposed to make sure this is being represented. We're stewarding God's stuff well because one day it will all be gone. And how we used it during our little bit of time and little bit of opportunity will either leave a legacy or it will point to the fact that we were just interested in building our own little kingdoms. I think Jesus represents this particular attribute really well in Luke chapter 16. He tells a parable about stewardship and in this particular parable it kind of, it kind of sets apart um, from the other parables that Jesus tells because of something that Jesus highlights. And it's, really inter- it's a really interesting parable. And so I want to read it to you. Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse one. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. And so he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be a manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, And make it 450. Then he asked the second, And how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Now Jesus transitions here and starts to make his point For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Now this is incredibly interesting because Jesus uses a scenario, a story where there's a guy that's manipulative. There's a guy that's dishonest and he takes what he can and leverages it for his own benefit so that when you know, the horizon comes that he sees coming, that he's better positioned than what he is currently. And so is Jesus commending dishonesty? Absolutely not. He's commending this man's shrewdness. He's simply using the dishonest manager's shrewdness to point out the fact that he was intentional in leveraging his little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity to make sure that he was prepared. I think one of the best definitions that I could give you of shrewdness is this. It's clever, discerning awareness. Clever, discerning awareness. And per the parable that Jesus tells us here, that's how we should approach the kingdom of God. That's how we should approach stewardship, to be shrewd, and how we're stewarding God's stuff, which means we need to be clever and creative in how we get there sometimes, discerning to make sure that we are doing what God wants us to do with his stuff and aware of the opportunities that we have in front of us because all we have, just like the dishonest manager, is just a little bit of time, that's it, and a little bit of opportunity. He concludes this way in verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, then who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, then who will give you property of your own? So that brings me back to what God is doing here, like right here and right now. And this is an honest question that, again, I've been asking myself, been asking my team, and I've been asking God. God, how do we show you that we are more trustworthy? How do we show you that we are trustworthy in handling more? God, how do we open the biggest door we possibly can so that you will continue to pour out your blessing and favor on this church? God, how do we get prepared for immeasurably more? And the three things that I keep coming back to are greater levels of sacrifice, greater levels of service, greater levels of stewardship. Guys, what if instead, what if instead of mimicking our culture, right? What if instead of mimicking our culture and wanting to pull everything in, what if right now all of us collectively? can see that God is doing something special here that we get to be a part of. And what if we just got behind God and said, God, whatever you need me to do, I am all in. Whatever you need me to do to get behind the blessing that you are already pouring out on this church. God, we want to invest our little bit of time and our little bit of opportunity for the sake of life change. God, we wanna be all in on your kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done in trace church as it is in heaven. God, we don't need more stuff right now. What we need are more stories, more stories of people getting baptized right after they got out of prison. This just happened a few weeks ago. More stories of people stepping out of addiction, out of bondage, out of compromise. More stories of people giving Jesus another, another chance because they were so close to throwing in the towel. And some of you, this story is true for you, but you finally found a place where you felt like you could belong. Trace the greatest way that we can give our Heavenly Father, if you ask me, every reason he needs to pour out his blessing and favor in the life of this church, continue to, and to give him more, greater levels of sacrifice, greater levels of service, and greater levels of stewardship. I want to let you know that we have worked so hard over the years. These are things you just would not know. We have worked so hard over the years to steward your investment in God's kingdom through Trace Church, we have stewarded those things so careful. We have been so specific and frugal when it comes to how we're spending your investment. We take every single penny that you've invested in God's kingdom through this church incredibly seriously because we know for some of you, it came on the back end of a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice. And I just want to give you a couple examples. Maybe you don't need to to see this, but honestly, we take pride in this kind of stuff. You see this big screen behind me? It costs $10,000. I called up a friend of mine that works at a big church that happened to have a couple of these back in their storage, and I got it for 500 bucks. Yeah, you can clap if you want to, sure. (laughs) I'm glad you enjoy saving money, too, because I get excited about this. If you come to my house, I'll show you everything I bought off Craigslist. It's a true statement. The carpet your feet are on right now. We saved thousands of dollars because we all got together and installed them ourselves. And so if you see one peeling up, don't judge us, okay? We're not professional carpet installers. See those sound panels on the wall? We made those. We made those so we could save the church money. When you go outside and you walk on that stained concrete floor in the lobby, we got a quote, because you should have seen the floors when we first got here. We got a quote It was gonna cost $20,000 to sand those down and stain them and seal them. And so I went and rented a commercial concrete grinder and came in here and did it myself. And then a bunch of us got some stain and sealed it, you know, stained it and sealed it and saved the church $15,000. The seats that you're sitting in right now, my wife and kids sewed those. No, that's way too bad. (laughs) One step too far. I promise the rest of that is true. I want you to know that. And I think to a great extent, listen to me, I think to a great extent the reason that we're experiencing at least part of God's blessing right now is because God knows that this church has been good stewards. Good stewards of his stuff. And so I wanna let you know And I'm just going to be honest with you, like if we're going to meet the timeline that we have put in front of us to, you know, we want to break ground next year on a new church building and we're kind of moving into the future, if that timeline is going to become our reality, it's going to take greater levels of sacrifice. It's going to take greater levels of service and greater levels of stewardship than we have ever experienced in this church. And so I want to come before you right now and just ask, how can you be a shrewd Steward of what God has given you? How can you be a shrewd steward, clever, discerning, and aware of the opportunity that we have in front of us as a church right now? What talents and treasures has God specifically given you that you could offer this church? What business has God allowed you to be successful in that you could say, you know what, I think the church could actually use my services in this area? What skills, what resources? that you can leverage for the sake of helping us build a legacy of life change in Christ. What does it look like? What does it look like for you to say, God, I want to get behind what you are doing, and I am all in. As we approach starting two locations in September with hopes of breaking ground on a new building next year, we're going to need people to give more than they've ever given. We're gonna need a lot more people to step up and serve this church specifically right now. We need a lot more people serving in Trace Kids because running two different kids ministries at two different locations is going to take a lot of serve team members. And so if if you haven't gotten on a team yet, can I ask you today to join a team? We need you, we need you. And you've heard me say this before, I really do believe that God has given us everything we need to do what he's asked us to do. It's whether or not you say yes, It's whether or not you step up and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Now, I want to say something. (laughs) Some of you, or maybe one of you, is in here today and you're thinking to yourself, man, I really needed to hear a different kind of sermon today. Maybe you're represented in that group of people that have been ready to give up on Jesus, give up on the church, and for whatever reason, you came here today. Maybe you were invited or you saw one of our street signs or whatever, and you showed up. And you're just thinking, man, I'm barely hanging on right now. I could have used a different message today. I want to let you know that I see you. I want to let you know that I know you're in here. And what I'm doing right now, listen to me, this is so important. What I'm doing right now is trying to partner with God to build the future of Trace Church so thousands, and I mean that, thousands of more people like you can come and find a place of hope, can come and find a place of healing can come even though they're barely hanging on and they actually meet some people that genuinely care. I want to show you something. Some of you guys will really appreciate this and it's, it is exciting. This is what potentially the future of our church over at Chapel Hills is going to look like. And there's going to be a few pictures here. That addition that says trace on it, that's the addition that's adding, we're adding on to the current space that's already there. It's going to be a 700 seat worship center. And... I wanna be clear, this is not just a church building. It's not just our future home. This will be the actual place that people find hope. This will be the actual place that people receive healing. This will be the actual place that lives are changed, ready for generations. Let it soak in. It'll be a place for those that are just barely hanging on but it'll also be a place for those who want to come in and shout hallelujah because of what God is doing in their life. This will be the place where your kids and grandkids will get saved. Think about that. We'll bump into Jesus, invite him to be the leader and Lord of their life. This will be the place where eternal destinations are changed for your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your dads, your moms, who finally say yes to Jesus. This will be the place where people will learn there's still hope for their marriage. This will be the place where prodigals come back home because they learn there is a loving father waiting on them. This will be the place where addictions are overcome, bondage is broken, and compromise is confessed. And I don't say what I'm about to say next, I don't say these kind of things very often, but I hope that our future home becomes a place that all of us feel is holy. When we walk in there, we just know this feels more like a hospital that's helping mend the broken than it is just a house of worship. Let me close with this. Almost all of you came here today or at some point in time looking for something, right? You came here looking for something. Maybe you were looking for a new church. Maybe you were looking for a healthy church. Some of you came here looking for hope. Some of you came here to pray for help. Some of you came here asking God for healing. Some of you, if you're being honest, came here to find a date, right? Hey, whatever it takes to get you to Jesus, I'm all in. Some of you are looking for a new way. Some of you are looking for a better way, a way out, a way up. Maybe some of you came looking for the way, the truth, and the life. Some of you still don't know what you're looking for or don't know who you are looking for or haven't found what you're looking for. Hashtag Bono. Some of you came here looking for answers while others are itching to ask questions. And yet here we all are. All of us. Here we all are, together. Our journeys to get here looked very different. What we came here seeking, probably not the same. And regardless of what it was that got us here, I pray that our motivation, our motivation moving forward is to remove every single obstacle we can to get people to Jesus. Because if we can get people to Jesus, information becomes transformation. Jesus can do things in people's lives that I would never claim to do, which is why as often as possible, I just wanna present it and then get out of his way. Let me say this, this is my second closing. I fully believe, fully believe to the bottom of my toes that there's going to be a day at the end of my life where my breaths become less frequent and I know that time is coming near and then there will be that moment where my eyes begin to shut for the very last time. And after they shut, I fully believe that it will only be what what feels like seconds, just a split moment where my eyes will open once again and I will be in the presence of Jesus. And I imagine taking that first breath for the very first time and what I see in front of me is so amazing that every bit of service, every bit of sacrifice, every bit of stewardship that I attempted to give to God in this little bit of time and opportunity that he has given me will feel so inadequate to what I now see Before me, his promise fulfilled. And I don't say too many things with certainty, but I promise you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will experience that too. That's why I am all in. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to invite us into a time of response. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, Father, I pray that you would use this message to course correct all of our lives. And for those of us that maybe it represents, you know, it's a little bit more true for us that we kind of pulled all the chips in and maybe started focusing a little bit too much on what we can just do for ourselves. Father, I pray that you would guide us back to the center, back to a place of what it means to be all in for your kingdom, to be ready to sacrifice, to be ready to serve, to be ready to be good stewards of the little bit of time and little bit of opportunity that you've given us. And so God, I pray that you would guide us today. Show us what it looks like for us to be all in here and get behind what you're doing here, God, because it's obvious you've got big plans for this little church. So God, I pray that you would lead us into this time of response. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.